Having achieved three big life goals into his early 30s, Chad Gramling came to understand that God blessed him with achieving those dreams so he could focus on God's dreams. Since that time, he sought to honor God and glorify him in all his writing, in addition to his work as a husband, father, and organizational leader. He passionately pursues honoring and glorifying the one God worthy of all glories as he's refining life on purpose. Chad Gramling's latest book, Food Thrifting, Feast Well, Spend Less, and Save More, is the focus of this episode and is aimed at helping people gain greater wellness, physically, financially, and spiritually, through responsible stewardship of resources and practicing a food thrifting mindset. Without further ado, let's jump in the conversation and meet my good friend, Chad Grambling of One Glories LLC Ministries. Let's get started. Hi, my name is Kirby Ingalls, and you're listening to the True Success Podcast. My goal is to help you find true success by helping you live a rich and satisfying life, a life of happiness and meaning, and becoming a pillar of your community. This podcast is designed to inspire you to write a new narrative, revolutionize the way we live, and create a ripple effect that resonates with future generations. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I am here with Chad Gramling from One Glories LLC. Chad, uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you have going on right now. Sure thing, Kirby. Um, yeah, first of all, real, real excited to be here. Um, and really looking forward to just uh, chatting with you today and, and telling you a little bit about my story and, and uh, where we're going. Um, as you mentioned, my name is Chad Gramling. I was born and raised in Auburn, Indiana. Uh, that's right up in the northeast corner, just a little uh, north of Fort Wayne. Um, lived here my entire life. Uh, so I, I have um, a little bit of that uh, isolated syndrome. You know, I, I've, I haven't moved around like a lot of people have, uh, but uh, that has uh, really also um, contributed a lot to my worldview. Um, been married for uh, just about 20 years now. Uh, I have three daughters. Uh, been working in a credit union for over 20 years. Uh, and, and during that time, I, I spent it mostly as in the marketing area. Uh, but uh, really, the last several years focused more on uh, business intelligence, data mining, and all that other good stuff. Um, and, and really, that's I call that, that's my nine to fiver, uh, in, in the time outside that nine to five, when it, when it's not, uh, with family duties, uh, it's generally either doing some sort of historical research or trying to learn to understand a new hobby, um, or, uh, writing. And, and that's, that's really, I think kind of why I'm here today, you know, talking about some of the things that I've done in my life. Uh, because of writing. Uh, I've, I've authored four books that I've published, uh, two with a traditional publisher, two I've self-published. Um, and really all that came about when, um, you know, I just, I really um, started to want to focus on, uh, you know, where, where does God want me to be? Mm -hmm. um, and, and when I was a senior in high school, 
I was reading a book in, in study hall and, and I kind of took a break, sat there, looked at the looked at the book cover and I was just kind of dissecting it. And then I, I zeroed in on the author's name. And I thought to myself, man, I think someday I'd like to write a book and see my name on the cover in a bookstore. And, and at that moment, you know, of course, this was before the Internet age. This, this was in the, in the mid 90s. And this was before uh, you could self-publish. And um, it seemed like a very daunting task. And I said to myself, that's that is my life goal. <laughs> that is my life goal. I'm going to be able to walk into a bookstore, see my name on the cover of a book. And, and that's what I'm going to pursue. Um, obviously, that happened. <laughs> uh, I'm sure we can get into that a little bit more yeah. um, uh, here in a little bit. But uh, that's really uh, kind of where my story is. And today, um, what I, I've made the pledge to God that, you know, everything I write is going to have some element of trying to glorify him and, and the work that he's done in my life. So um, that's my story. Yeah. So, I mean, you've, you've achieved quite a bit already. I mean, you know, you, you've, you've written a book, you've led your family. Well, you've kind of accomplished a lot of your goals that you've laid out and in, in, in your books and you, and even the, 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 the book launch that I participated in and, and called listen up kids. Yep. Uh, it seems like you, you just, you just, you've, you've done quite a bit, but all that begins somewhere. And so tell us a little bit about maybe where you grew up from, what that was like, and how some of those things uh, during your lifetime inspired you to go down this path where you've wrote things about uh, listening up kids, uh, legends of Auburn, uh, even baseball, which I know that's initially why we connected because you're a baseball fan. And then even now your latest book, Food Thrifting. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, and, and it's funny, those, those books are, are kind of a microcosm of who I am uh, in, in my story. Um, I'm pretty candidly, especially in Listen Up Kids, um, I'm pretty candid in, in stating, you know, my home life was, was um, though I didn't really realize it at the time, it was a little challenging. Um, it, my, my parents had their own demons, they had their own relational issues, um, and, and of course, they they divorced, um, and, and there was there was distance really in both relationships for both reasons between my and with my mom, my dad, uh, my brother was uh, quite a bit older, six years older than me, and um, by the time I was really coming of age, he was kind of out on his own. Um, so, um, the home life was a little challenging, and, and I kind of started to have this this fascination with. Uh, the idea of being a transitional uh, person in my uh, lineage. Um, you know, I, I came to this realization that I can, I can continue down a path of self-destruction or I can transform that. I can become that transformational uh, being. Uh, and um, so really that was the driving force uh, really with everything that I've done since that time. Um, I, I made a commitment. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get a four-year degree. Uh, that would have been uh, the first to my family to do so. Um, so that seemed to be an outrageous goal. Um, second goal uh, was that I'm going to have a uh, strongly rooted uh, faith-based family uh, committed toward, toward one another and, and um, 
that of course seemed to be a, a far-reaching goal uh you know given my background who, who would have thought that to be the case uh and then thirdly as i've already mentioned i'm gonna write a book yeah. and um you know i i hit my mid-30s um i'm not going to say all those were easy, but, you know, I, I did graduate high school. I went to college, uh, was very involved in college in a lot of groups, a lot of organizations. Um, truth be told, I almost failed out the first semester uh, because I, I, again, probably went too far in my reaching, decided, hey, I'm going to take Japanese. That, <laughs> that wasn't a great idea because I had no, idea, you know, no background in, in the Japanese language. Um, I'm I'm not great with math, but I, and, and so I already had to take a preparatory class for, for algebra. Uh, so my grades weren't the best that first semester and I had no idea how to study. You know, I, I got to college and I don't know anything about studying. Um, you know, I was kind of one of those kids in high school. I kind of just skated by uh, because I, I knew what the expectations were and I knew I could get by with the minimum expectations, get decent grades, just show up and you're gonna be okay. Um, nobody ever really took me under their wing and said, Chad, here's how you study. Here's, here's how you actually learn. Here's how you do well on tests. Um, so by the grace of God, I, I had a, a good, um, example for a roommate, my second year of college. And, um, he studied so much. It made me feel guilty if I wasn't studying. So, um, I, I patterned myself after him, learned some time management and, and really changed that around as well. So, uh, I got that four-year college degree, uh, graduated, uh, was first in my family to do that, felt mm -hmm. real good about myself. Um, during all that time, I had a steady girlfriend. Um, soon after graduation of college, uh, we, were, we were married. Um, we thought, okay, five years, we'll start having children. Um, I graduated college. I said, yeah, I don't really want to work in banking, but I need a job. I took this, this credit union job that was available, um, about five years, I'll be done and out of there, um, onto something bigger, better, brighter. Um, and oh yeah, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to be a, a wildly successful bestseller and, and, you know, I'll, I'll just write books for a living. It'll take me about five years, I'm sure. Um, so I, I kind of lost sight of the whole book thing uh over those five years decided yeah let's 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 have children after two years so um <laughs> and i came to realize oh yeah this credit union job is pretty cool um you know it's it's very missional focused um you know it's not necessarily faith-based but the whole point is to help people with their financial wellness their financial health to put them in a better place and yeah. i realized i get to live out my mission of who i am through my nine to five, how cool is that? Uh, so, you know, everything's going along just great. Kind of lost sight of that that whole book thing. Um, and, and there was a, a moment I, I ran into a uh, old friend of mine and, and he had a far reaching dream of, he was gonna work on a Star Wars movie. And of course, everybody is like, huh, that, that's one of the silliest things I've ever heard. First of all, they're not going to do any more Star Wars movies. But yeah. second of all, you're not going to do it. Uh, and he he actually uh, got to the point where he started a job with DreamWorks 
Um, and though he didn't get to work on a Star Wars movie, he came very close and he, he actually did work on other movies. And, and I thought to myself, man, this guy went all in. He pursued his dream. And, and what about my, my dream, that, that book that I was going to write? Yeah, I've got the family. That's great. I've got the college education. That's great. Um, but I want to focus on the book. And, and I, I really started to write, you know, trying these novels these novels, and, and had books written and, and none of them ever. I couldn't find an agent, couldn't find a publisher, couldn't, you know, and, and truth be told, they weren't that great. Um, and then funny thing, through the course of my nine to five job, this is well after being there five years off the original plan, I, I meet a, a peer from another credit union and, and we got to talk in baseball. And I sent him an email uh, after we had met and said, hey, uh, I got a fantasy baseball league. You want to join up and play? And he's like, you know, I really appreciate it, but I spend way too much time if I do fantasy sports. I get too obsessed, so I'm just going to have to decline. Uh, I've got a follow-up book that I'm working on, and uh, I really need to dedicate my time to that. And of course, I'm super intrigued at that point. I, I hadn't even thought about the fact that he, he declined my invitation. I heard follow-up book and said, hey, that means you had a first book. Uh, can you tell me that story? And, and so he shares how, how he, he fell into this opportunity to write a book about uh, baseball history in his, in his local area. Mm. As you know, come to think of it, I bet you would be a great person to write one for your area. And I'm sure they're still doing that series. Would you like my editor's contact information? And of course, I'm like, absolutely. Uh, and before I could even reach out to the editor, the editor had sent me an email, said, I'm very interested. Here's how to write the proposal. Uh, so, I mean, again, another great opportunity fell into my lap. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and that became my first book, uh, Baseball in Fort Wayne, which really focuses on baseball history in and around Northeast Indiana, um, which uh, there's a there's a really rich history there that uh, baseball fans with, with, if you haven't, uh, learned about that, uh, I definitely, uh, recommend it, um, and digging into that a little bit, because it's got a fascinating story. Um, and then I got to this point, you know, a couple years later, all right, I've got the college degree. I've got a, a great family, stable, uh, faith-based, uh, I, I've, I've, think I've succeeded in being that transformational uh, lineage character mm -hmm. uh, um, and oh yeah I've written a book my name's on the cover I see it in bookstores how cool is that but now what uh, I didn't think you know I, th I thought okay here I am probably uh, early 30s at most um, I've accomplished everything I set out to do and I started to tailspin I really did because it's like, what's driving me now? You know, what do I pursue now? What, what do I go after? And, and uh, really got, and truth be told, I, I hit this, this sort of depression uh, to, to really, it's like, I don't have any meaning. I don't have any significance. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and, and that's when I got real convicted. Um, a couple years later, and again, this didn't just go away, but I got convicted during during church one time. We had a guest pastor, 
who was preaching on, on the book of Romans. Um, you know, it's a very common theme, the idea of being more than conquerors. Um, and, and the idea of, he talked about how all he did was he collected stuff. You know, he collected all sorts of different things throughout life and how his driving force was collecting stuff and, and how he came to a realization one day, you know what? It's just stuff. It's not doing anything of eternal value. You know, in the, in the Bible, it would, it would be, you're focusing on stuff that rusts, the stuff that decays. Focus on the things that are for, for glory and for eternity. And, and that's right there at that moment. I, I felt like God was just speaking right directly to me and saying, Chad, your, your dreams were great. I, I equipped you and allowed you to achieve those dreams. And I'm, I'm proud and happy for you. And I know you're thinking about your dreams, but I want you to consider my dreams. And I, I, I kind of just stopped and said, you know what? Right, God, all these dreams, you know, now I need to focus on yours. You know, you, you, you and your grace have, have allowed me to do that. And you, you have equipped me for this. So obviously you want me to write for you. And so that, that's what I, I, I committed at that point for everything I write going forward, mm. going to be focused on glorifying God. Um, and, and that's, that's, that's really how I got, got to that, that point. Um, you know, as you mentioned, there's, there's some other books, um, and we can definitely talk more about those. Um, definitely. No, I, you know, it's a really powerful story. I mean, you know, generally what I would ask is you know, at that, this point is, is what was life what did you think life was like, you know, or how is it going to be different, you know, uh, or did you think it was going to be different than when you grew up and, you know, you already had these goals and you already achieved these goals. So your story is a lot different than uh, previous guests we've had on where they thought they were going to do one thing and they came from very humble beginnings like yourself. And mm -hmm. you went out the gate and you began to achieve those things. You're very passionate and you kind of stumbled a little bit. Uh, and then, sure. and, and from that perspective, uh, you know, pulled your, your boots back up, you know, or your bootstraps up and, and pursued, you know, your God's calling for you through your skills and passions. Cause I know you talked about in, I think both your books uh, that I've read, uh, uh, listen up kids and, uh, food thrifting, mm -hmm. uh, talk about your passion for research and, Yeah, you know, where, where that, where that's where Auburn comes in obviously yeah. baseball and, and some other things. And so you've taken those skills and talents that you've been given those God-given gifts, and you've applied those. And now you're really just creating this, this tremendous impact, especially, you know, and that's why I think this topic is so important right now because of COVID. And I know that was one of the reasons why you kind of jumped into um, finishing this book because at one point you stopped writing this book. Yep. And you wrote yes. another book. And then you were like, okay, look, the opportunity is here now. Um, there are yeah. a lot of people out there with food scarcity. And yeah. I know how important that is because uh, you know, I take my children to school and uh, even last year when we were, you know, uh, aggressive learning from home, right? there was a lot of kids that weren't getting meals because they weren't able to go to school. And so the school set up a system to where they could have the food preparers show up in the morning, prepare the food and the bus drivers would hand out the food. So it was doing two things. It was keeping the bus drivers employed, plus the food service workers and then children, mm -hmm. well, three things actually, and the children were actually getting some meals. Um, 
And so I know that was important. And the other thing I've seen lately too, especially during this pandemic, is that a lot of farmers, instead of throwing or tilling their crops under, they're giving away boxes of food in the community to those people that need yes. it. And that's fresh, good quality food, uh, which is really improving people's health and systems. So I think there's a lot of good things that are coming out of this, but obviously, unfortunately, there's some, some hard things as well. And so you seize this opportunity um, and, and the calling that God's had for you to, to really talk about this thing we call food scarcity. So yep. can you kind of explain what food scarcity is first so we can kind of understand that? Yeah, yeah. That impacted you as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's where I go back to to that, you know, as you call it, humble, humble beginnings. And, and that's it's really true. Um, you know, again, you know, I, I came from a broken home, um, you know, one one that was defined really, you know, in my young life with with alcoholism and mental illness. Um, and I, I won't go into all those details here. Um it, but as a result of that, there, there was very little income, mm -hmm. um, modest income at best. Um, you know, I grew up actually using real food stamps with my, with my mom yeah. for groceries. I received food from churches. I received food from food banks. Um, I knew what it was like to look in a cupboard and uh, <laughs> have great expectations and come away uh, morally defeated. Um, so, I mean, that, that was a real definition, um, a defining experience in my, in my life, um, uh, because I, I've made that commitment with, you know, my family, my kids are not going to ever have to wonder where their next meal comes from. Um, you know, I, I, um, spent a lot of time with that sort of, uh, reality and didn't want my kids to have to go through that. And, um, I'll never forget in sixth grade, I used to go to lunch and um, never really had a whole lot to pack. Uh, didn't have uh, money to to buy the food. Um, and so, and, and my mom was kind of, you know, doing her own thing. She was, uh, you know, I'm not going to say she was absent, but th there were things that prevented her from being the nurturing uh, parent figure. And, and I look back on life, you know, maybe, um, child services or whatever, probably should have really considered uh, removing me from the home. Uh, and, and I hold no ill will. It's just a reality of circumstances. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I go into sixth grade and I used to go to lunch and just sit and chat with my friends. And I did that for several weeks. And then finally, one day, a, a teacher of mine comes up to me, uh, pulls me aside and says, hey, Chad, I noticed you go to lunch and you never eat. Um, why is that? And I kind of shrugged and, and kind of made up a, a well, I just don't like the food and I don't have time to pack anything in the mornings. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I lied. Um, and probably less than a week later, I get this note during class one time, uh, one of the office workers dropped it off in class and said, Hey, on Monday, stop by the bookstore to get your free lunch ticket. You won something, you know, something or other. And, and <laughs> It's like, well, that's weird. Uh, and so I, I did and I stopped, got over and they gave me this pass for free lunches for a full week. And I was like, wow, how about that? That's pretty cool. And they said, yeah, stop by next week too. We'll give you another one. And <laughs> so for the rest of that school year, I had free lunches and, and uh, I don't remember whether I put two and two together at that point or not, but looking back on it, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know where those free lunches came from, how I got put on that program. And 
and, and in a lot of ways that really saved me. Um, it, it showed me that there were people that actually cared uh, beyond uh, just your own family members um, and, and doing good works uh, just for the sake of others is, is uh, probably, uh, you know, more rewarding than I realized at the time. Yeah. Um, and, and I hold that moment as one of those other defining moments, something that, um, you know, if, if I could be that ray of light in somebody else's life, like that teacher was for me, how about that? Um, so that really, you know, food scarcity in general, that there's a lot of folks, uh, whether it's by, uh, where they live, whether it's by their income status, um, whether it's by their family dynamics, just the fact that there's not enough to actually um, have good nourishing uh, meals for for your um, to, to, for your overall health. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there, there's what's called food deserts, where um, it, it's not necessarily a matter of income, but the fact that there are no true um, mass distributors of food nearby. So a lot of the families and folks rely on unhealthy food that's highly processed, that's uh, not healthy, that's uh, maybe gas station food, um, nothing against gas station food, but that should not be your only meal, uh, that should not be your only food source. Um, they don't necessarily have healthy vegetables, they don't have uh, livestock that's um, you know, not overridden with, with all sorts of other uh, additives. Um, so it, it's a true um, issue in our, in our world. And, um, you know, I grew up, you know, and I talk about the food scarcity at home. And my mom was very proud, didn't like to take handouts, didn't like to take uh, freebies. And, and on the flip side, I had grandparents who, were products of the Great Depression. And their earliest memories were of extreme food scarcity uh, just because of yeah. the economic circumstances. And so they didn't take anything for granted. I mean, they saved everything, they used everything and they did well for themselves. They, I remember going to their home, uh, one set of grandparents. Um, I, I had one set who was farmer. Uh, and and he, he, he loved his chickens, lots of eggs, um, you know, and, and then I had another set of grandparents who um, worked hard, uh, saved everything, um, invested wisely. But I remember going to their basement and, you know, how, you know, some people, they might have a chest freezer or, you know, a second fridge. Um, you'd go down into their basement and they'd have four full-size upright freezers filled with food. Uh, and this was not like um, boxes of, of pre-made waffles and stuff. This was food that they had grown or obtained through uh, wise shopping. And, and they had that in there and they utilized it as needed. Uh, they stocked their shelves with non-perishable goods. Um, and, and they did help us out quite a bit using that storehouse of food. Uh, so I'm not, I don't want anybody to think that we, we starved and that we didn't have food, but uh, at the same time, they couldn't, you know, we couldn't just go for weekly grocery shopping at grandma and grandpa's freezers. Uh, so 
but I do remember, and I learned a lot from them, and they grew their own food, they had their own compost, they, they uh, knew how to uh, cultivate a, a sense of self-sufficiency without necessarily calling it that. And, and so both of those sets of grandparents really, uh, I took to them as role models. Uh, and I used to tell people a lot, and I still do, is, is I'm probably more a product of my grandparents' generation than my own. <laughs> um, just because of, of how I connected with their, their worldviews and how they, they really started to form my own um, and, and how they've impacted me throughout life. In fact, Food Thrifting is a book I dedicated to both of my grandfathers uh, because I saw the way they stewarded their, their families, their households, and, and how they um, just um, went about their way and, and, and took care and provided uh, for, for their families. So I'm going to take a break and take a drink here because I've talked yeah, a go lot. Ahead. Yeah, you know, I think you said a couple things there because uh, that really resonated with me was the gas station food. I remember, you know, I, I grew up on free lunches in school yeah. as well. Um, I had a single mother. She was married and divorced three times as I was growing up. So um, my stepdad worked swing shifts, you know, I had another father or stepfather that worked at a prison and another one that was a car dealer, but really in and out of homes and, yeah. and stuff, you know, we, we didn't have anything, you know, I remember my mother going to the store and using food stamps and, and things like that. Uh, and that really hurt. It was embarrassing as a child to be in line with your, your, your mother yeah. and your friend is behind you and you're paying with food stamps. And you, I already knew at that early age, like, and I had gotten in trouble one time in school because I was in fifth grade and, uh, and I think I did it out of anger or frustration, you know, because uh, the teacher was talking about food stamps and one of the students or mentioned food stamps, one of the students mm. in the classroom in fifth grade raised their hand and said, what's food stamps? And I went, duh, you know, and I think it was just <laughs> me being mad because, you know, somebody didn't know because, you know, they, they, they didn't have that experience and right. I wasn't as humble back then. <laughs> but uh and I ended up getting swats that day because the oh, teacher wow. was a little upset with me but uh that's when you could spank your children in school um yeah. Ralph was the paddle's name for whatever reason <laughs> but you know even when I got into junior high and high school and I was actually working on my own because I actually had to go out and wash dishes work on odd yep. jobs on farms and things like that just to provide for myself I would find myself just eating out of gas stations so I I I know how important that is, or eating McDonald's, you know, uh, now I'm like extremely focused at home on making sure my kids eat uh, home prep meals. And while grandma and grandpa are great uh, at taking, you know, the kids out to McDonald's, uh, I try to emphasize or overemphasize the importance of, you know, having that good quality meal. I remember even going to the store as a child, you know, we shopped the, the 10 for 10 deals, you know, because we had to maximize yeah. the opportunities there. And that wasn't the best food yeah. either. So, but it was what you had that was available and that you can maximize, um, you know, you, and that kind of brings me to this point of, of money wellness. And that's a part of yeah. this book as well, because right. in here you're talking about stewarding resources, not just food, which you talked a lot about with your grandparents, which I also identify with my grandparents' generation because um, my grandfather was always there for me. And, um, for whatever reason, uh, I think that our parents' generation kind of missed something along the way. And it just happens to be the, the time and place, yep. you know, the, that particular generation. But it seemed like something didn't get passed down or they didn't pick something up. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of debate and conversations about that, but <laughs> yeah, you know, I really did identify with my grandparents' generation. And, uh, but you did talk about money wellness and why is money wellness so important in, in this book with, uh, uh food thrifting? Yeah. Well, and, and it, it's funny, you've talked about a couple of things that resonated with, with me, you know, you talk about, um, having, having a job at an early age. And, and that, that's really how the Auburn book came about. If you want to know the truth, um, when I was 10, I got a paper route and that paper route was delivering papers around every business around town. Um, and so for that second book, I decided, um, you know, I heard, I read about this legendary locals imprint from a publisher and I thought, Hey, I could write about those people that, um, you know, I connected with when I was doing my paper route and, and, and in a lot of ways, those folks also taught me a lot and, and contributed to my worldview. And, and so I, I focused on this book about the individuals who built the fabric of our local community. Um, but I did that paper out for five years until I was old enough to carry a part-time job. And um, so that that's where, you know, because I saw that income is that income from a paper route was used to provide some of my own food. And of course, I didn't necessarily have uh, the skill sets and understanding of healthy food at the time. You know, I was I was buying uh, cheap food and, and what I could at convenience stores. So again, that's where that really resonated um, as, as well. And I carried that education with me through uh, throughout life and into adulthood. And, and I started to come to this realization that, okay, God wants me to write about food. And I thought to myself, that's really cool. Um, who doesn't like food? Um, but really, overall, this book needs to be more about wellness. Um, and wellness can be achieved through your food. It can, it, it, you know, there's, there's different schools of thought on food as medicine and all that other sort of thing. At the same time, you know, at, at working at the credit union, I, I have this understanding that um, your financial wellness is just as important as your physical wellness. Um, and, and both of those contribute to your spiritual wellness. Uh, so really this book, though it's called Food Thrifting, the subtitle is Feast Well, Spend Less, Save More. Mm. Uh, and the idea is really it's a book about wellness, about physical wellness, financial wellness, and spiritual wellness. Um, and to really dig into that, I started to think about, okay, I've got to know how God views food and money. And so I did some deep research on that very fact or on those things, um, on the, the biblical representation of food and the biblical representation of money in the Bible. Um, and, and I learned a ton. I mean, there is more on those topics. I mean, to, to even begin to, to touch on that is, is a challenge. You, you've got to really start to look at it and, uh, you know, come to this understanding, you know, Jesus did just about all of his ministry over food. He was always eating or uh, telling people, hey, I'm going to come to your house and you're going to host me for dinner. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> in, in the process, he would always end up becoming the host, which is really interesting. And there's a, there's a lot of stories to that. Uh, and I learned a lot about how um, that is 
they all go hand in hand, the food and the stewardship. And, and I think we, as, as people, we get so caught up in the pursuit of money and you can have all this money and all this stuff. Um, and, and a lot of times what people don't see is the credit card debts and the exist and the, and the long-term debt that, that is carried throughout. Um, and so the book itself, I, I really wanted to dig into those three tenets, uh, food, um, money, and spiritual connection. Uh, so it starts with the spiritual connection and, and how uh, it, everything is connected to that relationship, whether it's your relationship with, with God or God's people. Um, and a lot of things go into that stewardship. Um, you, you steward your food resources uh, and, and you do that wisely. And that can transcend into uh, spending less on your food. So that all of a sudden becomes now you have more money. And what do you do with more money? You either spend it, you save it, or you give it, right? Um, when you can start to steward your financial resources well, that gives you the opportunity to uh, bless others. And, and so the three all go real hand in hand. Uh, and I, I don't know that I'm doing a great job of explaining it real well uh, here, but um, you know, that, that's, the, that's the heart of the book, um, focusing in on those three tenets of wellness. No, I think that's extremely important because I, I do see how those things all do come together. I mean, it, it's, it's just the, the stewarding those resources is just so mm -hmm. important. Um, and I see how they can kind of feed off of each other as well. Yeah. And I really didn't kind of put all that together until I actually began to read your book. And I actually kind of started to figure that out after I began to read the first chapter where you kind of introduce these ideas and then you kind of dive into all the applications. I mean, this, this book is full of application. So, and I know that you also mentioned in there, regardless of, of your belief systems or, or, or whatever it is your worldview might be, like there is a lot of things in here um, where you can apply and improve your situation, whether it be food scarcity or, you know, wellness mm -hmm. and things of that nature. So there's a couple of things you did, um, uh, that in the book that, you know, kind of also pushed you in this direction was your work with foster families uh, right. and also uh, Angel Food Ministries. And the yep. reason why I bring that up is because um, I've worked with foster families as a court appointed yeah. special advocate for, okay, and I always uh, have them assign me to bull adolescent boys who just don't have a father in their, their sure. life, because you know, I grew up without a father and I know what that was like. And so I tried to fill that void and you know, I, and, and much so in the Bible, it talks about orphans and widows. And I feel like I best called and served to help those young boys and understand what it's like growing up without a father and, you know, how to overcome those things. And for you, it was food scarcity. So yeah. it's really, you know, our backgrounds and experiences help us, you know, carry forward our experiences and help improve other people's lives. So, you know, talk to us a little bit about those things and how those impacted you. Sure, sure. I'll start with Angel Food Ministries. Um, you know, that, that's no longer a, an existing program. 
uh, and it was a nationwide program, really a food ministry that was designed to help people uh, still uh, get quality food at, at a fraction of the retail cost. Um, I, I ran a host site through our church and, and um, you know, on monthly orders, we would distribute uh, boxes of food. And, and I, I did the math. I went to both Walmart and Kroger and compared to the ounce, the prices, um, and, and you could save anywhere from 30 to 50% off your food cost. Um, so, and I utilized it in our household, um, helped a lot of folks um, save money uh, and still put quality food uh, in their cupboards and their freezers and on their tables. Um, and, and that was a great opportunity to minister with folks. Uh, there were times I would be doing curbside prayers with people who were, who were really struggling, who, you know, whether they had job losses or health issues or, or other circumstances. Uh, and I was very young and I didn't really appreciate that opportunity God provided at the time, um, was a little scared. You know, I grew up very introverted, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you can relate to this Kirby, but, you know, growing up on food stamps and food scarcity and, and, uh, the circumstances of my household, you know, I, I, I was very insecure. I was very, uh, conscious of, you know, what I'm different. I'm, you know, and, and that, that took me a lifetime to overcome. Uh, and, and so around the time I was doing angel food ministries, I had gone through college. I was feeling good about myself and I was starting to break out of that, that I'm different shell and, and not necessarily even embracing the I'm different. Uh, so I, I didn't really appreciate it at the time, but, and unfortunately through, and I won't go into all the details there, but angel food ministries kind of abruptly closed. Uh, it was around the, the great recession timeframe. Um, and all of a sudden that was gone. And, and again, I think that was right around the time I started to, to develop that, that sort of that spiral of what now. Um, it, but the lessons I took away from that always stayed with me. The understanding of that food scarcity and, and the, in the, um, the need for quality food and, and to help people understand how to uh, spend wisely on their food. Um, and so that, then the, this several years later, you, you bring up the foster families and what we do through our church. Um, and this was prior to, to the pandemic setting in, but we, we came to this realization that the foster families in our area, um, they have to drive a good hour or so to get training, to stay accredited um and to uh really just continue to do what what the mission they were called to do mm -hmm. on top of that they usually have to spend all day in that training they have to find child care for the people that are in their care for the children that are in their care uh and, and so we we said we can probably fill this gap uh so what we we started doing was offering uh evenings uh usually as a friday evening where we'd invite foster families to come in for training and we would watch their children. And on top of that, we would feed them. Uh, again, food comes into play of the ministry. Yeah. Uh, you're starting to see a theme here. Uh, so we would feed them all a meal and we would all dine together. There was always uh, folks from the church who would sit with folks, the foster families. And, and you know, we, we had a, a real great setup where, you know, we, we, we did uh, brown paper uh, table coverings. There were crayons and we, you know, I, it was always so fun to watch 
kids' eyes grow massively huge when I grab one of those crayons and just start coloring on the on the brown paper on the table. And they're like, what? Are you going to get in trouble? And <laughs> <laughs> making that simple connection and, and then talking and drawing and, and, you know, just hanging out. And then then they yeah. kids would be dismissed for their own child care. We, we'd have all different activities and, and the parents would go into the sanctuary for for training. Um, and, and we did that for, for a couple of years. Um, obviously, it's looked a lot different in, in light of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had to do some uh, really scale back uh, for, for that and some other reasons. But one of the things that uh, really led to the, to the realization of writing food thrifting was um, pastor had asked me to facilitate one of the trainings with uh, the foster families. And he said, I'd like you to just talk about poverty and the thought process that exists in people's mindsets when they're from homes of poverty, because most of these kids are coming from that scenario. And when I research a topic, I get really deep into that topic. And I, I really start to carry on this level of empathy that, um, puts me right into that mindset and that worldview and that thought process. And um, I, truth be told, as I was doing that, I was revisiting a lot of my own uh, upbringing. And uh, that's when things started to connect. You know, that, that's when I started to realize God wants me to write about more than food. He, he wants me to write about overcoming poverty and, and wellness overall. And, and so that's when I started to connect all these dots. Um, and I pursued that book with tremendous uh, exuberance, uh, got so deep into subtopics that I started to think about this book. And, and you know, and I, I even launched into this series of Sunday school classes talking about how Jesus and basically food in the Bible. And I, I started preparing biblical meals for our Sunday school class. Um, and so we'd begin every class with a meal and then we'd talk about what to a lot of people were commonly talked about lessons, uh, you know, like Mary and Martha. And, and yeah. I related that to here's the food that was typically served here. Here's how, um, you know, imagine just being at, at home and somebody knocks on your door and says, Hey, Jesus is coming to dinner <laughs> at your house. Uh, and, and what would send uh, you into a tizzy trying, okay, I've got to clean, I've got to uh, prepare all these different fancy foods, I've got to do all this, and, 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 you know, it puts a whole different spin on biblical understanding and on those lessons, and, and there, there's several others, uh, you know, we talked about the wedding feast and revelation, and, and some other uh, stories, and, and I wanted to include all of this in the book, I got deep into food distribution systems, and how food is marketed, and, and all these different and I thought to myself, man, if I write this book, it's going to be 10,000 pages yeah. and nobody's going to buy that. And I can't sell it for it. You know, I can't sell it, you know, at a cheap cost and, right. um, or a reasonable cost. And then I kind of just stopped. I was like, okay, God, God is sending me in this other direction. And at the time I had just concluded, concluded a two-year study of, of, um, 
Jonathan Edwards' uh, resolutions. I spent two years studying his resolutions and trying to put biblical context to them and, and understanding how they relate to life today. And, and I was I was convinced I needed to stop writing food thrifting and start writing this other book, uh, really talking about uh, discipleship and, and uh, the pursuit of it. And and so I started down this path and then uh, in, in March of this year, Mar February, March of this year, uh, the whole uh, coronavirus started to become real and there was economic shutdown. And I looked around and I saw um, store shelves were empty. I saw that uh, a lot of folks on fixed incomes weren't able to buy the food that they needed because they didn't have the, the funds at the time. And once they did have the funds, there was no food to buy in the stores. And I started to think about, uh, you know, what about the kids at schools who get free lunches, who they're at risk of not getting to eat? And, and I started looking at all of this and, and, and then I, 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 I still remember, you know, God basically said to me, hey, Chad, you, you remember that food book I told you to write? the one that you stopped writing and started doing another one. Um, maybe it's time to, to revisit that. And uh, why don't you take out all the extra stuff and uh, get it back to what we originally planned. And so I spent a few months uh, really going in and, and trying to get that back to, to the original focus and um, the whole goal, the whole, it was not, to get it out there and, and write for, for money. Mm -hmm. uh, it was out to get the, to get the knowledge out, to get the understanding and the awareness out. Um, and, and in fact, the Kindle version, I, I intentionally, you know, I tried to make this book as low cost as possible. Uh, the paperback uh, is under $10. The Kindle version is under $4. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I'm hopeful that that, that compels folks to, uh, obtain the knowledge because I tried to really condense a lot of information into a, a small book, um, whether that's whether that's gardening on your own, whether that's learning how to uh, buy at a price price conscious standpoint and store food and safely understand that uh, even though a, a item might say best if used by such and such date, you don't necessarily have to throw it away if it hits that date. Uh, it, just some things like that and other tips, tricks, things. And I even put in some recipes. I've got, uh, you know, one of the things I love to do is I, I will talk to my kids about this at the dinner table. I'll be like, okay, so we bought this hunk of meat for this price and we grew these veggies and uh, we did this. And so this whole meal cost, let's say, ten dollars there's five of us that's two dollars a plate can we get a full meal at mcdonald's or burger king or wendy's yeah. or any of these places for two dollars a piece and well of course not and, and you know what this is a lot healthier mm -hmm. um, if, if the bulk of our meals come from quality dinners home-cooked dinners with with food that we know where it came from uh, and we know the nutritional content and we know how it was prepared, uh, probably our overall health is going to be better. 
You know, we're not going to have cholesterol problems or diabetic problems or, or other issues that come from not eating quality food. Well, that's going to reduce the cost of our health care. You know, less prescriptions, fewer doctor visits, fewer illnesses. And, and now that continues to help uh, improve our financial wellness. And all this goes hand in hand. So, you know, you got your food wellness, your health wellness, your financial wellness, your spiritual wellness. And, and so I, I love to do that. I love to get down to, okay, this is exactly how cheap our meal was. And, and this is how, you know, I, I probably take a little too much pleasure in, in seeing how low I can get a plate, a plate yeah. of food. But, um, you know, that, that, that's, that's the game I play, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, to sum up what you said there, I mean, especially when it comes to, you know, you started the book, you stopped the book, and then you had to pick yeah. it back up. You know, I always place that in the category of there was this um, a thing that I was reading one time in a devotional and it said, God selects every cobblestone perfectly and lays it on the road perfectly for us. And so if we trust in that process, you know, uh, he lays that road out and that path for us. And I always say, you can always follow breadcrumbs back like in Hansel and Gretel. Yep. <laughs> you can always find, you know, looking back, you can see like, oh, I get it now. Right. Yep. But moving forward, it's always very difficult. And it's like, where am I going? What am I doing? Like you start to question that. And so I just always try to encourage people to, you know, keep faith. Um, and you're, you're also doing something, you know, in there that I like to refer to as generational wealth. And mm. you're investing in your children. I mean, not just not just in the in a financial aspect, but you're really investing in them where that will create an impact and in, in, in a, in a wealth of its own that is gonna be extremely hard to measure in the future. I mean, it, right. it is very, I don't know, I, I say it's intrinsic, you know, it's yeah. one of those really difficult things to measure because they'll carry that with them and they'll carry the things that you're teaching them now forward for the rest of their lives. Um, yep. And they may not realize it right now. And they may be like, oh gosh, dad is talking about this again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how low can we go dad? You know, because it's kind of like that. Uh, the price is right. How low you can go game. Yeah. But you know, and it's fun, you know, and, but I, 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 I'm, I know that they will, you know, when they're 30 and 40 years old and they're looking back and they have families of their own, uh, they're going to see the power in, in what you're doing. So I thank you for that. Um, yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, and, and it's perfect timing too. I mean, because this pandemic's not going to be over for, you know, for a while, you know, yeah. we're still going to go through this and people are still losing their jobs. And, you know, there's going to have to be this, this stage where there's this recovery Mm -hmm. And even in 2008, I remember when the financial crisis happened, there was this long recovery and foods, you know, uh, what well, couponing was getting yeah. huge and that yeah. changed people's lives. So I, I think this is perfect timing and uh, I, I appreciate that. And thank you very much for this. Um, you know, as we move forward, uh, how would you define true success for you at this stage? I know you've achieved a lot of your goals already. So what does that look like for you now? And, and that's a great question. That, that's when I think about, um, you know, obviously none of us can predict the future. Um, and and I, I've hit that point in my life. I, I wouldn't call it midlife crisis. I wouldn't call it, uh, you know, I, I'm definitely not at the end of my life. At least I hope I'm not, you know. Um, but I, I look at and this is going to kind of dovetail a little bit on what you just said, Kirby, is, 
you know, I, I look at my role as a parent. I, I've got uh, three daughters uh, ranging from uh, 11 to 17, um, you know, and, and they're, I think about the impressions that they're receiving from the world today. Uh, and I, I think about, you know, all of my kids were born after, after the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Uh, they weren't there to see uh, that devastation. They, they have totally different defining moments than what I did growing up, mm-hmm. um, whether that's even household circumstances or even uh, world events. Uh, you know, and when you really think about it, they, they've never known a world where our country wasn't at war on something. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's, it's a real interesting fact. I mean, and, and there's a lot of influences that exist in there. And, you know, I, I tell them all the time, thank God I didn't grow up with uh, camera phones and, 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 you know, phones with cameras and social media, because I don't know if I would have survived it. Um, you know, and I think about a lot of that stuff and, uh, I thank God that I'm, I'm here to be a parental figure, um, not to, uh, force them, but to, to help educate them, to help them learn. You know, I've shared this in other forums, you know, I, I, if I had to boil down my parental philosophy, there's really three roles. There's one of being a steward. There's one of being an archer and one of being a giant and, and, you know, I, I view right now my success is going to be my children's success. Um, and it's not saying I'm tying my identity to them, but right now my, my purpose is to uh, make sure they have the resources to be successful, to, to make sure they have access to things, to make sure that they uh, have knowledge. To, and, and then to be the archer is to uh, help point them. You know, I, I obviously, you know, it's, it's, I take that from a, a poem, Khalil Gibran, who uh, writes about a person, they can point the arrow to the target, but once you've released it from your, from your, from your grasp, um, you just have to hope you pointed it, named it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there can be all sorts of environmental things that can push it away from, from its intended destination. So, but that's out of your control. And, and that's where your third role of being a giant comes in of, I hope that I have provided stable shoulders for my kids to stand on and uh, go forward, just as uh, individuals have provided shoulders for me to stand on and go forward. Um, and I draw a lot of that back from, you know, the, the lineage from Adam uh, to Noah, uh, basically, uh, in the middle there, there's Enoch who lived a, a relatively short existence compared to everybody else, uh, about 365 years. Uh, he was taken up by God. He walked with God for 300 years and was taken up. Um, he had a son, Methuselah, who lived longer than anybody else in record of the Bible. And <laughs> uh, when, you, when you start to interpret the, those, uh, the significance of their names, Enoch was uh, a beginning and Methuselah was a man of going forth. And, and I view my role as a parent right there at that transition point, you know, in the relay race, uh, you know, I, I, I'm trying to be that, that, that uh, launching point for my kids. So that's success in, in one degree um, is 
setting the forum for my kids to be successful. Um, but then going forward, you know, it's um, listening to God. God's going to direct me. And I hope that I hear him and I hear him correctly. And I pray for his wisdom, for his favor. Uh, definitely a few other books that I have in mind of writing. Uh, the ministry that I've done through One Glories, um, you know, it's a funny name, One Glories. Um, you know, I, I kind of, I started it tongue in cheek. You know, I, there, there's a movie, um, not, not, I wouldn't say it's a highly redeeming movie, um, but it's uh, a movie, an Adam Sandler movie uh, called Airheads, where they're in this band called the Lone Rangers. And the DJ says, how can you be the Lone Rangers? There's not exactly... Uh, one of you. So how could it be plural? And he says, I have no idea what you're saying right now. And so it, one glorious kind of took on that, that aspect, but it, it was really about there's one God who gets all the glories. And, and that, that's the significance in the name. The, the theme is refining life on purpose. Uh, that's my mission is just continually refining my own life and working with God to refine it to where he leads me. Uh, and, and that's, that's, that's really what I view success. Um, you know, it's not uh, a matter of, you know, is my name and glitz and glamour and lights? Am I in movies or am I, you know, making millions of dollars or, you know, that's all stuff. Yeah. You know, your success is really the legacy that exists after you're gone um, and after you're, you're in, in, in heaven and spending eternity with God. You know, that, that's, to me, that's where I, I view uh, success at this point. So I always ask this question. And so, you know, Mother Teresa is uh, historically quoted as saying yep. that you can cast a, a stone into the water and create, you know, several ripple effects. And yep. so what is that what is that stone for you going to be um, from this point moving forward? And, you know, that's a great question. And I think I, I probably jumped the shark a little bit or jumped the gun and, and shared a little bit of that already. I don't know. <laughs> I but, thought you did. <laughs> uh, you know, it's. <laughs> I think back to when I wrote Listen Up Kids and, and where I was at that point where I was kind of feeling stuck. I felt like a stone without water to go into. And, and you know, a, a stone without water can't make a ripple. <laughs> it, it, it just drops. Um, you know, I, I was really stuck in, in my career, in my purpose, in my family, in everything. And, and at the time, it was a blessing because it, it really just kind of got me to that point. And, and for those of the your listeners that don't know, you know, Listen Up Kids was never intended to be a book. It was a letter I was writing to my kids because I was really thinking about my dad. My dad died at a young age. Um, and, and though he got to attend my wedding, he, he would, never knew his grandchildren. Oh. And that stuck with me. And I said, you know, what if my kids, what if, you know, God decides to take me when I'm young um, and my kids don't truly get to know some of the things that I want them to know about me, uh -huh. lessons I've learned. So I started writing all this out on my iPad one night and, um, and the next day I kept writing and I kept writing. And I said, Man, if I just did a little structure to this, I could learn to self-publish. Um, and, and so that's where I, I, you know, I, I again, I kind of went on this crazy thing of, you know, self-publishing. Who does that? You know, and because I've talked to people, you know, I, I talked to people who 
um, they do amazing things that they don't find to be amazing. You know, I, I know, I know a guy, he's a pilot. He, he, he made his own hot air balloon, you know, and, and he comes to me one day and he says, man, I just couldn't imagine sitting down and writing and publishing a book. And I said, yeah, I couldn't imagine sitting down and deciding I'm going to make a hot air balloon. You know, <laughs> we all have these tremendous talents and these tremendous skills and these things that are given to us by God, you know, they're divinely provided. And I guess if I had to say what ripples I want to see, you know, and again, that's, that's not up to me, but you know, as I think about that, <clears throat> I want my ripples to show that I pursued what God wanted me to pursue based upon the, the gifts, the resources, the skills. And I did not avoid doing those things. You know, I didn't cower from being obedient to what God wants me to do. And hopefully I've impacted other people to realize I can do those things. Mm. You know, I, you know, hopefully, you know, I want really my, I want my ripples to be more stones going in the water. <laughs> awesome. No, that's great. That, that's awesome. That had to sum it up that that's where I want it to be. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. I, I love it. I love it. Um, I'm probably going to steal that. <laughs> Go for it. You know, we're all in this together, Kirby. No, that's great. Hey, so, so, you know, you, here you are, you know, we've kind of walked the dog backwards, you know, where you come mm -hmm. from, where you're at, you know, wh where do you think we're going to find you in 10 or 20 years? What's that direction that God's calling you to go into? And um, what, what can we expect here in the future? <laughs> well, you know, I, I could, I could throw the, 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 it's almost a cliche answer anymore of, you know, well, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Um, <laughs> and tell you, I, I don't know where 10 years from now, um, where, where God's guiding me these days though. I, I, I definitely want to do more books, uh, in, in the spirit of food thrifting. Um, I, I'm going to go back and, and publish a, uh, and follow-up to that, uh, about the, you know, I, I talked about the Sunday school classes I did. I actually want to go back and write a book that contains all those lessons and some more uh, things and, and maybe possibly even move that into a devotional. Uh, because I think that's a that's a great, uh, obviously, I went down a, a rabbit trail there and, and I'm sure God led me to that rabbit trail. Uh, and he wants me to uh, teach that to others. So um that that's one area i'm heading i've got a couple other historical fiction books i'd like to write uh based upon uh true lives and true life events uh from folks uh and, and events in my community um uh, one's about a missionary um she was serving in the philippines and was captured by the japanese during world war ii uh was very near to execution when she was liberated by uh u.s and um uh, a combined effort uh, forces. Um, that story fascinates me. There's there's another uh, story uh, of local significance I'd like to tap into and, and actually even get back to baseball a little bit. Um, talk about baseball in that historical uh, uh, event. Uh, so, you know, there, there's a lot of great things on, on the horizon and, and Really, what I'm just trying to do is keep my ear to 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 the, as I like to call it, the signal and the noise. Um, trying to hear God's signal and all this noise. Um, yeah. 
you know, I did a or I did a, a actual sermon a few uh, weeks back on that very topic of hearing the signals from the noise and and what's happening in this in this current environment and you know to think things are going to go back to what we knew as normal is is probably foolhardy. There's a lot of lasting impacts that are going to happen and and really what I'm trying to discern from that is is where does God want us to focus our attention and and. Where does God want us to uh, move? Um, you know, and and we don't necessarily know the answers to that yet. Yeah. And you know that that's that's really where I'm at is is trying to listen to God. And you know, I I've written less this year. I've blogged less. Um, and, and oddly, my my readers are my readership is up. Uh, <laughs> that that's a little bit devastating for a blogger to think you yeah. can write less and get more readers. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. I'm just trying to discern where, where to go. And, um, you know, there, there's definite directions. It's just finding that next best step or the best next step. Awesome. So, Hey, we're here at the end now. So, uh, please tell us, uh, a little bit about where we can find you, how, maybe how to grab your book and anything else that you may want to, uh, sure. share with yeah. us before we go that you may not have already. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, all my books are available on Amazon. Uh, the the published, uh, the the I guess the baseball book, the the Auburn Indiana book, uh, and even Listen Up Kids can be purchased at, at a lot of online retailers. Um, some of my local uh, retailers carry carry the the, the historical books, um, self published books, Listen Up Kids, Food Thrifting. Food thrifting is just out, so I think it's only available on Amazon.com. Um, but where I where I do most of my uh, blogging, writing, keeping my news updates, all that's at uh, the number one glories.com. Um, or I've got my own website, chadgrambling.com, where I do also keep things up to date. Um, I do a, a what I call a periodic publication from my. Uh, subscriber lists. So if you go to those websites, there'll be an invite to subscribe where I just share uh, relevant happenings. I don't do it weekly. I don't do it monthly because I try to respect people's inboxes. Um, so I only email when there's pertinent things to email. I don't just, you know, oh, what do I write about today? So um, yeah, I guess that's kind of, you know, where, where, you know, I've got social media profiles throughout just about everything. Um, although I'm getting too old for some of these newer things like TikTok and um, I don't do a whole lot of Instagramming, but I do have a presence. So um, yeah. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Um, it's a, it's a wonderful conversation and we're going to share all those links that you shared in the, in the show description so people can uh, click and, and get to you easily. Um, again, thank you for your time and the conversation and just sharing all this value with us today so far. Um, and, uh, and being, you know, a friend and, you know, being a friend for, it seems like now about eight, nine, 10 years. So thank yeah, you. it does. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Kirby. This has been a wonderful blessing. I appreciate you having me. Now it's up to you to put all this information into action. Please check out the links in the show notes and support us by smashing that like button. Leave a comment or review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Now go out and share this story forward. My name is Kirby Ingalls and I appreciate you listening. Honor your service to others 
and love the impact that you are creating on this day. I'll see you next time.